You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Picture this scenario. A child in a classroom can't sit still or pay attention while a teacher is talking. This child acts out or he misbehaves, and other kids become judgmental. That kid is viewed as bad by his or her peers and pushed by teachers and kids alike to become more mature, to toughen up and focus or get left behind. But what if the issue isn't the way the one child acts in class, but rather how that child is perceived by everyone around him? So often we hear of programs for youth designed to teach grit and grizzled determination, especially for kids raised in difficult life circumstances. But how often do we hear about other students being taught empathy for their disadvantaged peers? Would that turn be effective in helping all students in the classroom. This is an issue that has come up a couple times in small ways on the show in the last couple of months. This idea of what we teach our kids about how they relate to each other in terms of grit or empathy and what we teach them about grit or empathy. What is the right way to deal with difficult circumstances, the things that all of us are going to confront as adults, teens or adults, Is it grit or is it empathy? What is resilience? What is it supposed to look like? And what will it look like to help the most number of people? I want to have a conversation the rest of the show with uh, Tyrone Howard, who is an associate dean for equity and inclusion and a professor at UCLA. Tyrone, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Also with me is Virgil Al Taylor, who is the executive director of the Peace Project here in Detroit. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Tyrone, I want to work with you for a bit. Uh, Start with you. uh, And and have you talk about this whole concept of grit versus empathy, Uh, what we teach our kids, how we teach our kids, and what effect that has on them as adults and their ability to sort of empathize with other people in difficult circumstances? Yes, yeah, so we, we, I mean, at an early age, we start telling children about the importance of hard work, the importance of never giving up, the importance of staying focused and determined and being disciplined. And I, I agree with, with all of those traits. I think that they're important if you're going to achieve any type of success in any domain, any arena. I think the challenge about that is, though, that we stress those characteristics, but we don't give a fair assessment of the context or the situation upon which young people at least have to make those decisions. Uh, and that's where empathy has to come in. Uh, if you're a foster child, you've grown up in multiple households over the course of your seven, eight years on this planet, it's kind of difficult to focus and lock in when you don't know where you're going to be sleeping from one night to the next. Uh, if you've grown up in a homelessness situation, as many children do, uh, it's kind of difficult to focus on sort of the determination and discipline that we say is so important for children to have when uh, you don't know where you're going to lay your head that night. So I think that we talk about this, this issue around grit, uh, and then we talk about empathy as if they are these polar opposites. And I think that at the end of the day, I don't think anybody would disagree with the importance of stressing grit, determination, but I think it has to be done within a context that understands the situation that, that young people are in and if we were more mindful of those situations, we'd be a little bit more 
uh, I think, reluctant to, to say that these kids just don't have grit because they have not achieved or accomplished whatever task that we put before them in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, Al Teller, uh, your work has focused on, on uh, kids in, in this sort of urban environment here in Detroit. And I know that from conversations that we've had in the past about your frustration with the sense of what kids need in that urban environment. Absolutely. And, and this idea of how to be tough uh, gets really warped and distorted in these kind of environments in particular. Absolutely. Um, you know, like you, I'm a Detroit boy born and bred, and, and, and I'm an artist, and I came up as a kid being an artist. So there was a question of how tough did you have to be being empathetic, um, having grit, being able to take up for yourself and all of that. So it's a very complex issue. Um, you know, working with young people in the community over the, the past 20 years, I, I've had a number of instances where uh, identifying kids and the challenges that they were facing. I, I cite one instance where I had a young man and a very small kid, and, and we couldn't figure out what was going on with him. He seemed to be very tough, very gritty, um, combative, disruptive, et cetera, et cetera. And, and come to find out, he was in a poetry class, and um, he was about 10 years old, and come to realize he couldn't read. And no one was diagnosing this or, or recognizing this, and it took me some digging to find out he couldn't read. And then my next question was, how did you get in my class? His mom put him in it. She wanted him to learn to read, and she thought a poetry class where I have kids that are advanced at reading and writing. Uh, and so no one is, when you talk about being empathetic, so the other kids are labeling him, he's striking back because he's being gritty. But there's a bigger question is this whole misdiagnosis that this kid had an issue. Yeah. And so as I was looking at the materials and, and the, the, um, your, the um, brothers on the line mm -hmm. and some of the distinguished work he has done um, is so complex, trying to understand all the variables. And as we all know, going to public schools, teachers are in a bad position when you've got 20, 30, 40 kids. Yes. You've got the good kids who demand so much attention or I shouldn't say good kids, but the easier <laughs> kids. And you got the challenge kids, and then you got all the kids in the middle. And so then the kids in the middle get kind of left out. And so who's empathetic, and how empathetic are you, and where do you have to be gritty? So it's just not so simple. And, but it does behoove us, all of us working with children in the community, is looking at the issues that they're dealing with and what are those issues. And this kid's mom couldn't read. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, so that was her. But no one was, no one was seeing this. How does the school system miss that? This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Tyrone Howard, an Associate Dean for Equity and Inclusion and Professor at UCLA. Also with me is Virgil Al Taylor. He's the Executive Director of the Peace Project here in Detroit. We are talking about the difference between teaching kids grit and empathy, the idea of making kids tough, tough and resilient for the things that they're inevitably going to have to confront versus teaching them how to sort of empathize with people who are struggling with things maybe they don't have to struggle with in their own lives. This is a sort of a conundrum, I think, that parents and educators face all the time when they deal with kids who uh, maybe are from difficult backgrounds. I'm curious from the listeners, what do you think about that? What do you teach your own children about this idea of being gritty or being empathetic. 
toward uh, other people? What do you ta- teach them about resilience? What do you talk to them about how to be tough and what does that mean? Uh, particularly if you live in an urban environment. I think that means something a little different. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Again, talk about the idea of empathy versus toughness. Where are we going right with that? And uh, may, where are we maybe going wrong? Uh, Tyrone and Al, I want to uh, switch the subject just a little bit here, or I guess add another dimension to the conversation. I think race lurk, lurks in the back of this conversation in a lot of people's minds. The idea of toughness versus empathy uh, when it comes to what black families teach their kids, uh, but then also the idea of toughness versus empathy in the way that non-black uh, populations see black kids. Uh, this idea of toughness and grit among black males in particular, I think, uh, warps the conversation or the perceptions in in many cases and then adds yet another difficulty to this balance that we have been that we have been talking about, uh, Tyrone. I'll start. I'll start with you. Yeah, Steve. I'm glad you raised that point. I, I do think there are two critical points to understand here. I think um, within many black homes, this issue of toughness is really much a part of the upbringing. You know, uh, you, you're raised. I was raised. You don't cry. You don't. You don't make excuses. You get it done. Uh, you don't blame people. And I think for some folks, that works. Right. That 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 sense of determination and and don't let people distract you from achieving your goal, and, and all that's fine. But some, some, some young people, and some older people for that matter, need something a little bit different. And that's why I think we've got to start expanding that paradigm to say that we can't always tell folks not to make excuses when they've got some, you know, some internal or external circumstances that are affecting their ability to accomplish various things. So I do think within black communities and black homes we have to start talking about that you know, young men uh, and young women hurt. Uh, they're they're in pain. They're suffering. They're they're dealing with all kinds of challenges, and they shouldn't be told to suppress those kinds of issues. So that's on the one hand, as it pertains to the in-house black community, black home conversation that needs to happen. But I think the bigger issue is this point that you raised, Stephen, around the fact that for many non-blacks, there is a tendency to say the reason why blacks don't do as well in academics in, you know, the labor market, whatever it might be, is because they don't have the toughness. They don't have the grit. They don't want it bad enough. And that's, to me, a very warped argument in many ways, because that argument, in my mind, is really devoid of any larger conversation around racism, around the history of slavery and exclusion, mm-hmm. around sort of the structural inequalities that have kept out black folks for, for, we know, for centuries. And so to me, to say that, you know, groups that don't have a certain level of economic or academic uh, attainment I just don't uh, want it bad enough for having exhibited the grit. I think it's a really, really, really uh, sort of weak argument because it doesn't take into account historical, social, political, uh, and even contemporary factors that continue to serve as obstacles for certain populations. Right. So it kind of feeds into this whole narrative of sort of the, the, the myth of meritocracy that, you know, we believe in this country that anybody can be successful if they just put their nose to the grindstone. That's and right. pull Get your boots and pull them up. That's right. Absolutely. Right. That's but what right. if I don't have boots and what if they don't have straps? I mean, so it assumes a lot that we oftentimes cannot 
take for granted. Sure, sure. Uh, Al, uh, go ahead. Talk about talk about that racial dynamic, uh, especially as you see it here in Detroit with the way people see black children. Oh, a- absolutely. Um, I mean, and, and as you said, we see it time and again. Uh, as you know, my brother's a professor. Um, and so I grew up more or less at MSU and, and in academia. Many of my friends are professors and very <laughs> accomplished people. I always find it interesting that oftentimes people of color, when they achieve something, are somehow deemed somehow unique and special. <laughs> um, like you're, you have to be almost Superman right. uh, to have accomplished the same things. And um, then with reference to, I, I do a lot of poetry work with kids. And so oftentimes when we go into the suburbs, and I, I think sometimes people mean well, but this is how they've also been socialized, that, oh, look at the special little group. These are kids. They're capable kids. They sometimes come from challenged uh, environments, but they learn well, they're articulate, they're bright, and they're capable. And so we stress to kids when we work with them that we don't let anybody, we understand who and what we are. Uh, but this whole concept in America that goes back, and I think it's people sometimes reckoning with their own guilt or sense of guilt or just how, you know, it was not that long ago. Let's just be honest. Right. <laughs> that you're looking at Tarzan movies. That, that was in my childhood. Yes. And so this concept of the, of the black man in particular as some type of um, beast um, and which, let's go back again, we were declared beast once upon a time. So right. this is, these, this is a residual effect that we have not gotten away from. And until we start to reckon with that, and I'm glad you're bringing it up because I think it is one of the most needed conversations in this nation, the whole issue of race. We're looking at our own former president who someone questioned and still questions um, where he comes from right. and, and his humanity. And that's really what we're talking about is our humanity and our children's humanity. So if you're from a disenfranchised environment, there are deficits that we have to battle against. But again, making sure that our, our children understand their humanity and making people respect our humanity yeah. and, and appreciate it. And that's really the bottom line, I think, where we need to be. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about grit and empathy. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Andrea in Detroit, Vernon in Auburn Hills. We will get to you next. Uh, call us in and tell us what you think about this idea of grit versus empathy. What do you teach your kids? What's the best? Best way to make kids empathetic for people who don't have the advantages they do. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Tyrone Howard. He's an Associate Dean for Equity and Inclusion and a professor at UCLA. Also, Virgil Al Taylor is here. He is the Executive Director of the Peace Project here in Detroit. We're talking about the difference between grit and empathy, what we teach our children about resilience, but also about understanding, uh, the, looking at someone who's not from where you're from, who doesn't face the obstacles that you do, and being able to understand or relate to those things. Uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019, if you want to join the conversation. Talk about what you teach your children about this. Talk about what, talk about what you were taught as a child about this. Uh, again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today 
We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Matthew on Twitter says, too often grit is a justification not to help people who need it most. Showing empathy is gritty, and that is what should be taught. Uh, interesting thoughts there, Matthew. Thank you very much for that. Let's go to Andrea in Detroit. Andrea, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I, um, I, I just, this conversation is really close to my heart. I work with youth in Detroit and um, I run a literacy program and I just, our, our kids are very tough. They're very strong. They have grit. Um, and I think that we need to honor that, help them kind of navigate and problem solve when they need to show themselves empathy or maybe problem solve with another student that, um, you know, can't, can't see beyond that, um, that they have so many skills and so many talents that although they may be going through a situation that's really, really tough, they have something that they can offer others. And those, you know, the problems they're going through, the issues that they're facing are going to help them in the long run um, understand others really well. Uh, What's the, what's the literacy program you work with? It's called Center for Success Detroit. Okay. Okay. I'm not familiar with that. So I'm glad you called and I will have to have to look into it, but thank you very much uh, for the call and uh, the thoughts. Let's go to Tom in St. Clair Shores. Tom. Welcome to Detroit Hi. today. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, Steve. Steve, thanks so much. Yeah, you know, I think it, it, I really appreciate the conversation you're having this morning. And, you know, when you talk about empathy among youngsters, uh, I think the greatest challenge they face is being able to see uh, beyond themselves. Uh, I think increasingly we see uh, children uh, really um, trending toward narcissism uh, more than anything else. I think uh, this youngest generation we're seeing they have a much more challenging time just seeing beyond uh, themselves or their most immediate surroundings. Um, and I think there are contributors to that. I think, you know, we see kids with their nose in their tablets and their cell phones <laughs> and, uh, you know, with their faces, uh, you know, constantly staring at a video screen, uh, playing video games. And so, you know, children, in order to have empathy for others um, as they grow, they need to be able to, to see beyond themselves yeah. and i think that's become a real challenge among this generation yeah no tom i think that's a that's a really interesting uh point i'm glad you called and and made it i would add uh, to what tom is saying that uh, the isolation the cultural isolation that we are seeing sort of take deeper root i think in in american culture adds to that the the, the, the way we live and uh, sort of operate with people who only really look like ourselves and and come from the same uh, background uh, exacerbates that idea of of empathy. Uh, what, what do you think about that, Al Taylor? I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think, um, and I've been wrestling with this and talking with friends and my girlfriend about this with reference to social media in particular. Everyone becomes so consumed. And then not only that, you have a, a small network of people that support whatever you say. Um, <laughs> and so subsequently, whatever stupid thing you think you can put out there, and not to mention the impact of media on our young people. Uh, working with young black men primarily in Detroit, uh, one of the challenges that we see regularly is that media is so significantly impacting their attitudes. And I talk to young men all the time about this concept of grimming one another. Uh, they can't smile at anyone. When you see each other, you're staring at him because you're getting <laughs> this from a music video. Sure. And, and so subsequently, this is being continuously perpetuated and they also have the ability, they create their own mixtapes, they create their own YouTube channels. And then they perpetuate that. And again, this is this imagery that you see of my crew 
and we're the tough guys and <laughs> we're all supporting one another and then this foolishness and oftentimes far too often it becomes um, art imitating life yeah. and then subsequently we end up with young people in trouble. So there's no seeming responsibility um, by the media by and large on what is being put out there to our children. But again, they have the ability to, to perpetuate it themselves in electronic media. So yeah, they again, I wholeheartedly, right, I wholeheartedly agree with what Tom said. The concept of you, you sit in a room of children or young people, family members, whatever, everybody has a tablet. No one's talking to each other. <laughs> Everybody's looking at their tablet. Yeah. Um, and what are they looking at? What is, what is the stimuli that they're receiving? And then we wonder again, why the problems are being exacerbated. Uh, let's go to Vernon in Auburn Hills. Vernon, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Sure. I really enjoy your show, and I do disagree with you pretty much across the board. Oh, there you but go. the only reason I listen to you <laughs> is because you're incredibly interesting. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, you saying that. <laughs> uh, I happen to be, when I see the kids out in the shopping center or in schools that are being disruptive and acting up, I was one of those kids. And I look at them and I'm thinking, my God, that was me. And uh, back then, I'm 62 years old, the Ritalin pills that my dad had were behind his knuckles, and sometimes I got extra strength. And for some reason, they don't do that anymore. And I think the liberal <laughs> social experiment has failed, and it's proven over and over that it's failed. I think corporal punishment, I mean, we, the paddle worked. I mean, let, let's face oh. it. People, <laughs> you can't even go into school. The people are carrying guns, and, the, and they're so disruptive. And they, they're reading at third grade levels in high school, and it's wrong. It's just no yeah. good. Vernon, Vernon, I I really appreciate you listening to the show. I really appreciate your calling in. I agree with you that we disagree <laughs> on on a great many things, including this point. But I but I really appreciate you injecting that into the conversation, Tyrone Howard. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about what, what Vernon says there. Do we need yeah, to bring the panel I, I back? Can't, I, I can't side with Vernon on that one. I, I don't think corporal punishment <laughs> is the answer. It's been a long history about But this idea that. of being soft on kids, that's, I mean, that's yeah, something well, we hear I mean, from time to time, right? So I work with, I work with a, a lot of young men of color, young black and Latino males, and I, and I do think we have to challenge that because we have a lot of non- informing uh, gender uh, roles and identities that young men and young women play, right? And I think this idea for young men, at least, if we can start there, that you're soft if you're into academics, you're soft if, 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 if you have feelings, you're soft if you don't uh, do certain... I think that has to be challenged because I think you have some amazing, incredible young men who show, you know, incredible resilience and grit, uh, yet they still emote and they still feel and they still care in ways that we define as soft. And I think that is, is, is sort of a, a 20th century way of thinking. Uh, to me, my favorite movie this year was Moonlight. I think Moonlight helped sort of push the boundaries in terms of how we look at what is soft and what is, what is hard. And sure. I think that we've got to have these conversations with our young men to say we can't fall into these binaries if you have certain characteristics, i.e. your soft, when those very characteristics can help to, as, as Al said earlier, help to, to maintain and to, and to reclaim their humanity. Yeah. Uh, Al, we've got about a, a minute left, but this idea of toughening up uh, young men in particular by being tough with them physically. I mean, that, that, that's a, par a powerful idea yeah, in it doesn't some parts work. of the community. It, it doesn't work. I'm a veteran. You know, even the military has changed their approach to, you know, preparing people through boot camp and all of that. And it wasn't working. I, Vern, uh, the gentleman and I, we were, we're the same age. And uh, 
Yeah, you know, we were getting spanked and getting beat up, and I, I, I disagree that it worked. And in, in many instances, I still have challenges with math from some of the things that I endured at, in the second grade as a result of corporal punishment. It didn't yeah. work on me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think with regards to – it has to get back to the core of your humanity. And so subsequently, it is all about navigating your environment and learning how to improve yourself and how to understand interacting with other people. Um, and it's not, not any one simple thing. If any of us had that answer, we, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be on a beach somewhere. That's right. <laughs> margaritas, right? So, um, you know, it is, it's complex, but I, I think, you know, this is an important conversation. I hope we can keep it up. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tyrone Howard, uh, Dean of Inclusion at uh, UCLA and Al Taylor, Director of the Peace Project here in Detroit. Thank you very much for being on Detroit today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. We'll see you tomorrow.